It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, let's go in the lab. All right, all right. It's Thanksgiving week. But you know what? We've got a two for Tuesday here on In the Lab. We've got twos all about. Hey, it's Drew and John Harris and. John, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lay things out. Here's the table of contents for today. Okay. Twos. Okay, we're going to get two of your favorite Thanksgiving side dishes, two of the most overrated Thanksgiving side dishes, two reasons you're wary of the Titans, two reasons you're very confident facing these Titans, and we might even throw in a Mike Leach story or two because – the big announcement coming down today, Washington State and University of Houston playing here Friday in September of this year. It's going to be awesome. It's the Advocare Texas kickoff, John. It's going to be very cool to see U of H and Washington State here. I think the interesting aspect is the timing of it. First of all, it's Friday. Yep. Second of all, now it does mean that you and I have to do some work on Friday, but mm-hmm. why we can do that. Sure. And But you have the stage all to yourself on a Friday night, which I think is fantastic. Right. You get a team potentially in Washington State that could go to a college football playoff this year. Uh-huh. Potentially. We don't know. We'll see how things pan out. They still got to beat Washington and then win the Pac-12 championship and then see what dominoes fall before them at that point. Worst case, if they beat Washington and win the Pac-12 championship, they'll go to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Then you got U of H, who has an opportunity to go to the AAC. I think they got to play Memphis this weekend. So a lot going on with that, but I like the matchup of U of H and Washington State in that one. Could be a busy weekend. Very, very busy weekend for NRG Stadium that weekend for LSSC and potentially Texans. We'll see. Maybe the Texans end up with a game that weekend, too. Nevertheless, always good to go to Houston, like Houston, because of the food you can get. Any type of food you want at any hour of the day, It's and it's very diverse. I like all the food that you can get there. I like coming to Houston. It's a good place to recruit. Got some good players from there over the years. Yeah. Did you see the Chris the Peterson story? About him bringing the sack of In-N-Out in and just eat 30 minutes late. This is Chris Peterson, coach at Washington, at crossing (laughs) paths with Mike Leach. He said, the last time I saw him, I didn't really get a great chance to talk to him because he was a half hour late to our Pac-12 head coaches meeting. And we were all looking at our watches thinking, this might not turn out good for him. He walks in with his In-N-Out burger and milkshake, and we're all like, really? And waiting for somebody to say something. He's just happy as a clam eating away, and we're like, why didn't we do that? That's really the last time I saw him. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, you do these meetings, and you know they want you to, yeah, and then all the rest, and yeah, it's just a big waste of time sometimes. And I've got to eat. Anyways, he's the best. He is. I'm. He's I'm a big best. fan of, of Coach Leach. For those of you wondering, uh, why is this guy doing Mike Leach impersonations? I used to host his TV show when I was in Lubbock. I worked in Lubbock from '05 to '09 as a sports anchor at the Fox affiliate, and one of my like side duties in addition to doing the sports cast at night was hosting the Mike Leach show and it was fun. It was everything you'd imagine. I'd interview him win or lose after every single game for about ten minutes on the field. <laughs> on the field for ten minutes. After he'd done his team radio interview, after he'd done his big interview with the media. And a lot of times if there was a big game, there's a, a national writer in time in town, excuse me, he'd do a side interview in between the big big interview and then mine. So he was about as talked out as you could get when he got to me. So I had to get creative. And we talked about a wide swath of things over the years with Mike Leach. So, yeah. Okay. 
Let's talk about the Texans, John. Uh, let's talk about the Texans. Hey, don't forget, though, before we start, check us out on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you're there on iTunes, please leave us a rating. Leave us a star. We love five stars, but just leave us some sort of star rating because we want to get better. We want you to love us. Most of all, though, we just want you to listen. I can talk about Mike Leach forever. We could. I can tell you a story about the 2008 Bear Bryant Awards where he came with a, sh- with a short tie, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. I mean, it was the first time I met him and the first time I talked to him. And my, my buddy Brady Ackerman, who's now inside receivers coach at Jackson State, uh, coached with Leach uh-huh. at Valdosta State, along with Dana Holgerson. Hal Mummy. Hal Mummy, Guy Morris, yeah. and my buddy Br- my. Brady ended up being a black sheep for a long time because he went into the media, and then he went back into coaching. So he's trying to get on the on the good side of all those. But man, what a <laughs> staff that was! Hal Mummy, Dana Holgerson, Mike Leach, Dana Guy was, Morris, and Dana was a heck Ackerman. of a receiver yeah, at yeah. Iowa Wesleyan yep. for for Leach up there. I mean, he yep. was a record setting receiver. He was a really good player. All right, we've gone way off the path. Yeah, let's get on, yeah. Let's, let's get on the Texans. All right, let's talk some Texans, and we'll get into the Thanksgiving stuff later. But. We're going to focus mainly on this upcoming Titans matchup. Not going to look back too much at the Redskins game. Two reasons why you are wary of these Tennessee Titans, and I'll start. I'm going to I'm going to go with one wacky. We saw some wacky things from those guys back in Week Two. They were playing kind of at a disadvantage. They didn't have Mariota. They didn't have their Water Conklin. Yeah, their their two tackles. It was weird. So what they did. They compensated. They made. They came up with some things. They had a fake punt. They scored a touchdown on it. It remains their longest pass play of the season, does it not? Yep, I believe so. They also ran the Wildcat very, very successfully on a drive that I believe resulted in a touchdown. And when the first quarter finished, they were up 14-0. They, didn't, they hadn't really outplayed you as far as gaining yardage and all that stuff. They did on the Wildcat drive. But other than that, Texans had done a pretty nice job but that's the way football goes sometimes because they were down 14-zip, and it was a hole they, they ultimately were not able to get out of the Texans. And Tennessee won that one. It was a tight one. So I'm wary because of the wackiness, and I'm also wary because of what they were able to do as far as getting to the quarterback against the Texans last time. Had four sacks. They hit Deshaun Watson ten times. So they made things uncomfortable for him. And those are two reasons I'm wary. What makes you wary of these Titans, John? Well, you took one of mine, so I'll try and come up with well, I'll try and talk myself into a second. You don't one. have to. We can agree. No, this fine. is not like a, a Stephen A. Smith versus no, but Skip I, Bayless. I don't want to cheat here. the people. No, 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 I'm not trying to. I'm not going against you. Like I totally agree with right. you. Right. It doesn't have to be NPR rush, either. Like just you know to to take it another layer with the pass rush. I think what worries me with that is to, the the result of them getting there the process of how they get there, and that is multiple ways. Harold Landry has been rushing really well from the edge. He was playing his first game of the year against us. That was a good pick for them. That was such a good pick. It was a really good pick for them, and so he gives them the ability to just turn and burn the edge. But then you got Jarrell Casey inside, and then when they're not getting there, they can always scheme up to get there. And they did that against us. They brought Logan Ryan off the slot, and we missed him. He got a clean hit on Deshaun. So it's where they – where they brought the heat from, how the heat got there, is is my concern kind of building off of that because it's multiple. It's not just, oh, my God, we got to block this guy. Yeah, It's not just control Jarrell Casey and you got an opportunity. It is, okay, well, they are overloading this side, and so we slide the protection there, and then all of a sudden we slide the protection, and then they're bringing Landry in a slot corner off the other side. And then you're like, well, 
dadgummit. You know, you, you're kind of stuck that way. So that was that was kind of my, my worry, and then I nerd out by going, you know, to that layer of, okay, where does it come from? Yeah. The second one to me is Corey Davis at receiver. He hasn't done a – I don't think he's really gotten to that level yet. But he had a magnificent game against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was outstanding in that game. And he is a big body, after the catch, can run, take it to the house on you. He can 50-50. Uh, he can make plays in 50-50 balls. He can be dynamic anywhere on the field in a passing game. We saw it on the screen play. I think one of the biggest plays of that game was the screen play that eventually J.J. knocked out of his hands, and we just couldn't get on it. We had two guys there couldn't get on it, and that Gosh, changes everything at that point. such a frustrating game. But I think Corey Davis can be a problem just because of the size. I think our secondary has played much better, but the size, and this has nothing to really do with the secondary. It's just more about Corey Davis, how physically he can end up, he can take over a game with that size. Mm-hmm. He can go up and get one over your head. You can play, you can play the ball perfectly, and then – Boom, there he is. So, Corey Davis is is one. And I, since I kind of piggybacked off the other one, I'll give you give another Give me a three, one. yeah. I'll, I'll give you a third one. And to me, it's Deion Lewis. I think Deion Lewis, I don't think he's taken over as the guy. But he, you know, Derrick Henry, if you bring enough dudes to the party, you'll slow him down. Which is what the Texans did Sunday against Adrian Peterson. Right. 51 and that's, yards. That's what they're going to have to do. But with Deion Lewis, catch the ball in the backfield, pass protect. And the one thing I've noticed about Deion Lewis, and I've seen the Titans, I don't know how many times, even our game with them, you do not get a clean shot on him. And because you don't get a clean shot on him, he is getting yards after first contact. So you might be there to make a play. But you essentially have to envelop him with multiple players because if he gets out into space and you're one-on-one with him, he'll embarrass you. And then if you feel like he's going to shake you and you kind of brace for it, he'll run you over. He's a strong, compact dude. And so Deion Lewis, to me, ends up being, I think, a big factor. And he has always had good games against the Texans. I mean, that playoff game, he scored three different ways. He scored on a run, a kick return, and then a reception. And he's always had good games against the Texans. And really – when the Titan, when we played Titans in Week Two, they used Henry in that Wildcat because they needed it. But to me, they could run that Wildcat with Henry and then Lewis and give the ball to Lewis. Yeah, and that could be an even bigger problem. And they didn't throw out of the Wildcat, and I could no. see that happening. I could see that. I could see that a little bit. But to me, Corey Davis and and Deion Lewis, just those particular players, I can be a can be a problem. And notice we didn't say Marcus Mariota because we don't, we don't know about Mariota. We have no idea whether he's yeah. going to play or not. So I'm kind of no. I'm I'm staying away from him. Just this whole whole little podcast. Yeah, just there's no sense of talking because, about because we don't know. Yeah, I and mean, I don't know that he's been that great really in games against you, anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are a couple reasons we're each wary of the Titans. Here's a couple reasons I'm confident. For all the two reasons above that I mentioned, mm-hmm. the wackiness and the pass rush. I don't think they're going to do that again. I don't think they can do that again. I don't think they, they can surprise you like that again because I think the Texans have evolved from what we saw in Week 2. Yes. I think their pass protection has improved from what we saw in Week 2. And I think they're they're on guard against that stuff. And you try the Wildcat on them this time, I think it's going to get, get eaten up. You know, I don't, I don't see that being a success the way I – th- I just think they've gotten smarter and adapted. And, you know, Mike Vrabel – 
is very creative, and he, he might come at you a different way, but they're not going to beat you the ways they beat you last time. That was a one-time thing with that team versus this Texans team, I think. You know what I might do? What? This sounds nuts. But every time they get in the Wildcat, I would stand up Clowney next to B-Mac. Sure. And I would let Clowney key on Henry, and I would let B-Mac key on the back. Yeah. And and sort of cross-key. That's we, we used to do it a long time ago against – and essentially, the Wildcat is basically wing T football. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it is. And when we played a wing T team, we used to cross key, and it, it it led us to the to the right back. So I would, if I was linebacker, I would cross key the opposite running back because he was always coming my way. Yep. And the same thing for the other running back. And so that's how we that's how we beat teams. We just cross key. We didn't read guards. We just watched the backs. The backs took us everywhere. And that's the same thing with Henry. I might I might I might take Clowney and stand him up and spy on Henry. That wherever he goes, you track his ass down. You could do that with B-Mac. You could do it with Zach. If Zach's ready to go, I don't know if Zach's going to play. But you could do it with B-Mac too, no. just so that you can keep Clowney mobile. But I guarantee you, the second you stand him up, it creates all kinds of conflict. Yeah. Every team, every team. What's he going to do? Where, why's they he there? have no idea. What, what do we need? Oh, and what? What's he going to do? Oh, and DJ. And to that end. How many times have we done podcasts over the last few years and we've talked on all access? And how many times have I brought up to you positionless defense? Many times. Pretty much every time. Guess what was in SI, the actual article this week in the magazine? What's that, John? Positionless defense. Yeah. Positionless players. The future of the NFL. Been talking about that for how long? For two years long at time. least. And Clowney's the biggest piece of that. Mm-hmm. Clowney's the biggest piece. Because clowning, you have to find every play. You you got a pretty good idea where JJ's going to be, but you have no idea where Clowney's going to be. You have no idea where the front's going to be. So you don't know where Clowney's going to be. You don't know where Tyron's going to be. You don't know where Kareem's going to be. Those three guys, as close as it gets to positionless football. Yeah. As close as it gets. All right. So that's one. I don't think they can replicate that. That's the reason I'm. That's one. That's a good one. Confident. Right, next one. They're shaky. I know they beat the Patriots handily, but they just got walloped by the Colts, 38-10. And, man, the Cowboys three weeks ago gifted them a game. I was watching that. Dallas was in the red zone three times in the first quarter Mm -hmm. and came away, I think, with seven points, maybe ten points. They gifted them that game. And to Tennessee's credit, they came up with it. They, they, They took advantage of those mistakes, but I think this is a team that is much shakier than 5 and 5 and i believe the texans can can expose those warts i really do not maybe to the tune of 57 points like you did last year but i think you can really put this game out of reach and, and make it make it an easy one fairly fairly soon i like those two now most of the time you know me when you ask me that i'm gonna, i i can get football yeah that's football heavy that's the yin and yang of this yeah, yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. i kind of yeah. um my first one I should maybe say it until my second one, but I'll do it right off the bat. Let's do it. Um, these guys haven't forgotten. These guys have not forgotten. The Texans have Texans not forgotten. The Texans have not forgotten. What happened in week two. Exactly. Yeah. They have not forgotten what happened in week two. Mm-hmm. They, know, they, they knew they didn't play well that day. They knew defensively that they had some moments, but then they gave up some key drives at the end. They knew they lost an opportunity to win that division game on the road. They know. They're well aware. When I mentioned it to Tyron after the game as our player of the game, and I was interviewing him in the locker room, and I said, hey, to Tennessee Monday night, like you could tell like he, he knew. 
Mm-hmm. He knew. What did he say? That was that was that was one that they that they gave away, and now it's time to go set the record straight. Right. And I think that's that's one thing. So it's not as if it's not as if with it. You know, sometimes with a seven game streak, you're like, hey, we're riding the streak. Yeah, we're riding the wave. Next opponent's just the next opponent. This one is. This is different. Yeah. They they knew full this well. This means a hell of a lot, and it's not just because of it is an AFC South game. There, it's like you're saying, it's Monday night. There's anger behind this one. Yeah, and and I hope that doesn't get away. From, they're gonna have to channel it. But yeah. Monday night, primetime stage, only game in town. First time seeing the fans since what? Not not Buffalo. It's like oh Miami. First time since I mean a month. A Thursday month will have gone yeah. by. Mm-hmm. A month will have gone by. I mean that's incredible to think about. But you got to make this next three weeks, you know, nearly a month. You got to make it worth it. Yeah. And I think the the their Titans aren't sneaking up on anybody. And I know in the NFL it doesn't really happen. But sometimes you can go into a game. It's like all right, well it's Denver and you do this and it's Washington. Two teams you don't face a lot. It's these guys. And if you remember last year at the beginning of the game, the Titans came out and did their little dance on the the bullhead at midfield. And we talked about it. I don't know that the players knew about it, but they played that day as if they knew about it. So that would be my first one that I'm I'm pretty confident in. The second one is is Kiki QT. Yeah. And I, I don't want to put a lot on a rookie. I really don't. But when 16's on the field, some really, really good things happen. Now, in that game against the Titans in, in Week 2, Deshaun threw for a ton of yards in that game. Yeah. I mean, they moved the ball all day. I mean, they moved the ball when they wanted to. They just, especially in the second half, after it got to be 14 nothing, they chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, but they kept moving it, got it to 17-14, took the lead. Will Floyd, that long, deep ball. If I have a worry, that's it, that the Texans haven't, they don't have that element, that deep ball element, but they do have QT. That might be where your deep ball comes from because I can't tell you how many times I saw him catch a deep ball at Texas Tech. He'd be in the slot and he'd just smoke dudes. I mean, just gone. But when he's on the field, it gives Deshaun an outlet, but an outlet to throw it four yards and he turns it into 40. Yeah. That's, to me, the key with Kiki QT. He can get open, he's got great hands, and he definitely makes things happen. I've, um, I've always been partial to the guy since the Texans took him. You know what I really loved what I saw from him on Sunday? He's got like a honey badgerish type of, you know, style on the field. Like he was fighting for yards. Dude, he's great after the catch. I mean, he was. He's was tremendous. Fun to he's watch. hard to bring down. He plays violently for a guy his size and for a guy with his reputation. You don't you don't expect that from right. him. And the way he, I mean, it took a lot to bring him down on a couple of those those pass plays. When I wrote up my draft preview on Kiki QT. When I wrote it up before, I wrote it back up in February. I watched him back in February, and I wrote it up on him. You know who he reminded me of from that perspective? Who? You know who he's like? Julian Edelman. Yeah, yeah. He's uh-huh. not as big as Julian. Julian's much bigger than he is, like taller. But Edelman gets pissed off when you tackle him. Yeah. He tries to inflict pain on you when you're trying to tackle him. And I love the way that Julian Edelman plays the game, and that's what Kiki reminded me of. When he catches the ball – and he turns up to run, he's looking to embarrass you. Yeah. I, I love that part of his game. I love it. And, I, and, the, and it's easy for Deshaun. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Find 16. Throw him the football. Now, there was one play that Kiki didn't hang on to it. It was kind of a tough catch. It was on him, but it wasn't great against Washington. But 
That's a guy I think Deshaun really wants to rely on, and I'm totally fine with that against these guys. All right, let's wrap this up. Okay. Favorite side dish Thanksgiving wise? Mine, mashed potatoes with a little bit of um, a little bit of wasabi mixed in and the gravy, and then also recently the Italian sausage because I married into an Italian you family, did, yeah. and they have it's a this. Good one. I can't I can't name the brand here on the air, but if you're right. interested in this Italian sausage, I'm going to get us some, some sausage, John. Do it. If you guys, listeners, are interested in great Italian sausage on the grill, DM me on Twitter or tweet at me on Twitter, and I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll let you know where to get it, because it's, it's phenomenal, and that's what I love on the site. But mashed potatoes, too. What about you? What's your favorite? You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. However, I, I'm not, I won't go with the wasabi, mm-hmm. but what I like is kind of a loaded mashed potatoes. Yes. So, like, if you yes. take mm-hmm. if you take... Um, some red potatoes, boil them, smash them down, and then you put the butter, the sour cream, uh-huh. the cheese, the bacon. You put all that in Hell there. Hell yeah, chives. Love it. Uh-huh. Love it. Now, there's one other dish also kind of along those lines. So if I don't get those, I, I want to have those. Yeah. My mom used to make this hash brown, mm. kind of hash brown-ish cheesy, type casserole Cheese thing. and stuff, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Like hash, not, not like the like diced, diced potatoes. I know what you mean. Phenomenal. It had sour cream, cheese, Ooh, potatoes, and I think there was some chopped up onion in there, which I didn't care for too much, but I loved it so much I would eat it with it. So the potato part of it is bingo. I don't like greens, but I do like green bean casserole. Me too. I do like green bean casserole. I'm I'm totally okay with that, so I'm good there. Especially with like the potato strings on top. Or onion strings. Or onion strings. Yeah, onion yeah. strings. Yes, onion yes. strings, totally fine. In fact, I, I, I go get some extras to put on whatever my helping is. Now, so those are the those are the good ones. On the flip side, I have, okay. I have no use for sweet potatoes in any form, none. Okay. And I don't care about squash either. Squash is overrated. Yeah, Bill B said that. Oh, he Who did. Who the hell put squash on a Thanksgiving table? I guess the O'Brien family did. No butternut squash no. soup. I don't want any of that. No. Stuff. What about I, you? What, what I'm you with you. On, I'm with you on the squash. Now, okay. sweet potatoes, I'm okay with if it's in the form of sweet potato, sweet potato casserole. Uh huh. You know, it's got the pecans and it's got the it's got the brown sugar on top. Like, I'm okay with that. But pretty much anything else green you put out there, I'm just like, forget it. Like, I'm not wasting my time with you. And then you and I'm I wasting my time with you. You and I kind of butt heads on pecan pie. I'm not not a huge fan of it. I can eat it, but I don't. You know, it's not my uh, it's not up on my Rushmore. Well, I'll tell you this: when it comes to desserts, when it comes to desserts, I mean, pecan pie is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. If you made me an apple crumble with some ice cream on top, mm-hmm. totally fine. Love apple pie. If you made me a chocolate chest pie, I'd be okay with that too. My mom makes this dessert. Actually, no, I'm sorry. My dad makes this dessert. Coach makes a dessert? Yeah. My When I went off to college, my dad started cooking. Really? Yeah, because he was bored. Like, oh. he would usually watch games with me. Like, we wouldn't say anything to each other. We'd just be watching the games, but we at least <laughs> had each other to watch the games. Wait, wait, time out, time out. Is he like you? Would would he get lots of you, like? We'll be on the bus and you'll yes. be watching the game, and it'll be just like, oh, oh, like yeah. You, lots like of I start talking to him, like oh my, like yeah, I, I, he's the exact same way. <laughs> All right, so we don't have to talk to each other. But anyways, he made this dessert. It was crushed pretzels, crushed pretzels as the I like the, where you're the starting. Base. Okay, then it was like a, it was almost it was like a a sweet cheesecake, Ooh. but a little li- a little lighter. That sounds good. And then he would put this cherry, like almost like cherry pie filling on top. Nice. Oh, my God. That sounds good. I would eat that for days. That was my favorite Thanksgiving dessert. Because pie, pie, everybody says pie, uh, apple pie, pecan pie. Those are all great. 
when I would come home for Thanksgiving, I'm like, Mom, make sure Dad makes the dessert. Uh huh. Every every year he would he would make that. It was fantastic. I would eat that. I would eat the whole thing. Dang, that's creative. I haven't heard of that one. I don't know what the recipe. I don't know what it's called. You need to get that cooking. I think he calls it like I think it's called like cherry surprise or cherry heaven or I don't know. It's huh. it's so good. That does sound good. It's re- it's really really good. Man, I'm hungry. I know. All Me right. too. My stomach's over here growling, bro. John, this is a good in the lab. I sincerely hope you have and your family has a happy Thanksgiving. You too, brother. You're one of the things I'm very thankful for. I'm ha- I'm thankful that I work with you. I'm thankful for my job. This is a fun job. Yep. I'm thankful you and I get to chop it up once a week on this podcast. I enjoy it. It's fun. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. I feel the same, brother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's always great to come down here and, and do this with you, but we do so much in season, out of season, off the field, outside the building. I mean, I'm just – we're family, very, not, we're family not thankful. related by blood. That's there you what go. we are. That's you got it. And all of you listening, your family as well, we appreciate you checking us out. Hope your Thanksgiving is a happy one, and go Texans.